Hello and welcome. It's the day after Monday night football edition of the fan checkdown. And what a game. I have a lot of apologies to make. I will tell you that. The legend of Jake Browning? Really? That was something. I will say this, though. I'm very excited for today's show. And I'm taking long pauses. Because... There's no need. He's... <laughs> there he is. Just, you know... It's but, almost as if Donovan was off for a bit. He forgot how the studio works. No, it, it doesn't matter. Because even when I was here before, I, my, my ritual is to fight with the headphones in this. God yeah, what is going on here? I don't know. Because the headphone that's plugged in at the right spot isn't actually the one. And you're waiting to hear something and you hear nothing. And then you crank Why don't you just audio. switch that to that microphone? I mean, I don't know. Here we go. Donovan's going to... We're going to do a microphone switch what? live on air. No, what? you... No, move your seat. There you go. Then I'm confusing Lance. I'm all over No, we're good. No, Lance... Yeah, see, we're going back and forth. Microphones. No, Lance is good. Lance has been doing this for a long time. He's right. dealt with a lot more difficult people than you. I can promise you that. How are you? I am great. Happy to be back. Are you really, though? Yeah. Well, listen, you're half happy to be back. No, no, I'm happy to be back. Listen, everyone needs a bye week. NFL teams do. <laughs> Donovan does. CFL teams do. Parents do. Donovan does. So it was a nice, nice to get that bye week in. Like Travis Kelsey, I went to a different country on my bye week. Yep. Recharge, press, control, alt, delete. Now all systems go. I'm ready for the stretch drive. I like it. Of the NFL season. I like it. And a happy a belated birthday to your wife? When uh, is yeah, her birthday? Belated birthday, December 1st. So, so belated birthday. Yeah. I couldn't say it because you were not here. So I will, I will pass along. Thank you. To well wishes. Um, there's no segue for this, but oh my goodness. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals? Really? They're in this thing? Jake Browning, the legend of Jake Browning, is born. 32 of 37, 354, 354 yards. That was the numbers you probably expected from Trevor Lawrence last night. One passing touchdown, a rushing touchdown, takes care of the football, makes some really good throws, a massive 21-yard scamper on third and one late in the fourth quarter. It was great. And you know what, Donovan? And as much as as much credit as I want to give to Jake Browning, because I mean the guy only threw five incomplete passes last night. Um, a lot of credit is deserving to Zach Taylor for the game that he called yesterday because he allowed Zach he allowed Jake Browning to get comfortable, get into a groove, and then they started to open things up. And that and nothing is more telling than the Jamar Chase touchdown catch which was on third and one, and they decided, you know what? We're going to get it to our guy. He's going to get it. I mean, I don't think they expected a deep touchdown like that, but they sure got one. Um, lots of flowers to be given out for that performance last night. Yeah, I wish I could be doing the same for Zach Taylor's brother, Press Taylor, uh, who maybe didn't have as good a game calling offensive plays for the Jaguars. So Zach Taylor now evens the family season series at two and two as the, the Taylor Trophy will go to Zach. Although, shouldn't it be weighted as you're the head coach and the other brothers are just a coordinator, so it, all things are not created equal. Uh, I am upset because I had the Jaguars as a survivor pick. Ooh. So, as I saw Trevor Lawrence 
trying to walk off on his own power. Uh, I, I Somebody saw, get the man a cart, honestly. I, I thought that, and I was like, unless he refused it. But is it a better look to essentially be carried by two people to the locker room? Like, I just get on a cart. But some people are are weird about that and want to leave the field on their own power. But then once you're, again, in the basement of the stadium at that point, can you get a cart then? You're still in HD because there are cameras everywhere. But, yeah, so much so that when when he walked off kind of on his own power, I go into my mode of, well, I'm couch doctor. I'm trying to diagnose. I'm rewinding, seeing what bent, what didn't bend. You know, with my amputate, my, my years amputate. Of, of football experience. Oh, you know, like he held this and he winced at that point, which means that it's this. And I got my diagnosis wrong. I thought it was a knee, not an ankle, uh, clearly, because I felt like if it was an ankle, he wouldn't be putting any pressure on it. But evidently, it's an ankle. Thankfully, that maybe is not as bad as first thought. So Cameron Wolf said it looks like, and Cameron Wolf from uh, NFL Network, he said it looks like it's not a season-ending injury for Trevor Lawrence. And, I mean, that's a good thing, um, obviously. But the knee thing, I thought the same thing. Like, it, watching that, I'm like, his knee's toast. He, he not, not when you watch the play, if you watch it in slow motion and you hadn't seen it, you watch and go, wow, the ankle injury looks really bad. And then you see the second part and go, well, he's done because Walker little, the offensive lineman is backtracking while trying to pass block. It steps on, on Trevor Lawrence's ankle and he, and hide too on his ankle, not low. It was high. And as he's falling, he gets folded up under like a, cheap suit and you're just going oh boy that's it for for trevor lawrence the way he take tries to get up can't get up takes off his helmet throws it punches the ground you're saying well this is probably the end of him and the jaguars this season well also remember the context this is a player who had a knee injury earlier in the year Mm -hmm. that came back on a short week and which we were expecting him not to play that week correct and actually played quite well but, that was the Saints, right? But given it was, given the history, you're thinking, oh, that's the, this is a knee for sure. This is a season ender for sure, especially because of the fact that he got up, then was like, actually, nope, back down, took off the helmet, started pounding the turf. It was like a realization of this is not in a good spot. Yeah. Apparently, it's, an, it's a new injury, which I don't know if that makes it better or worse but it's not as bad. But you said earlier, well, it might not actually impair them in terms of their route to get to the postseason. Schedule is very easy. And I mean, like, probably one of the easiest in the NFL. So the schedule is they stay with Ohio teams. They go to Cleveland, defense that's playing quite well. Then they host Baltimore Sunday nighter. Then to end the year at Tampa, host Carolina at Tennessee. So you got three cupcakes. I mean, I don't know if I'm going to say Tampa's a cupcake. But their secondary is. That is fair. But but two difficult ones, essentially, 
in the weeks that we don't think he's going to play. Well, I don't even think, honestly, I don't even know if the Browns one is a difficult one. Like their defense, it's been great, but they just got torched by the Rams. And we don't think the Rams are, they're good, but they're not great. They're certainly not the offensive juggernaut that we have seen in previous years. Although Matthew Stafford has played better. Here's what I'll say. They're beatable. Rams have a top five offense right now. Like they, and then they almost beat the Rams with Joe Flacco, who has been there for less than a pace cycle. By the way, Joe Flacco, shout out the elite one. But best, yeah, I, best Browns QB this year. Well, that goes honestly. That's what I said before that game. I said Joe Flacco can't be any worse than what they've been putting out there. Can't be, and he wasn't. Um, but on on, the, you're right. There's two games in there that are a lot tougher in the games that we probably think he's going to miss. Because even if they even if they he misses three weeks in Tampa, I think that's a very winnable game for. The Jags, even with C.J. Beathard as the quarterback. Well, they're in four right now. But more importantly, when it comes to the tiebreakers, they're 4-1 in the division, 6-3 and three in the conference, which puts them in a good spot in the event that the 7-5 and five Texans catch them in the AFC South race. But you, you talk about the amount of backups that are going to basically – Tell the story of what happens in this historic AFC playoff race. You got Pittsburgh sitting there at seven and five with an injured QB. But they get a cupcake this week. But the other question is, okay, well, it's not going to be Kenny Pickett. It's going to be Mitch Trubisky. It's not a big drop off. It's kind of the same guy. This is the question. What what difference does it make? Whether it's Joe Flacco or or. DTR or Walker or Deshaun Watson. The difference is how much they're being paid. Yeah, the pretty di- much. The difference is not really the, the play. And, and so, how active you've been on a football field this year. That's cor- pretty much Correct. It. <laughs> and because those two teams in that age, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, who are holding on for dear life in the five and six spot, they're all about their defenses. Then we go to everybody's favorite backup who's dancing in the locker room, Minshew Magic with the Colts who continually find ways to win they're sitting at seven and five, basically getting next to nothing from their rookie QB. We like the Texans. I think the, we think the Texans eventually are going to be in, but they're still right now at eight at seven and five. What are the Broncos at six and six? Their win streak is is now snapped, and you got the Bengals who just beat the Jags, sitting there at six and six, and then circle the wagons for your Buffalo Bills, who are by far. The best of any of the teams we just mentioned. Mm-hmm. With the toughest schedule. <laughs> with the toughest schedule by far. But they're sitting there at 6-6 six and six in 11th because they are 3-5 and five in the conference. Now, they'll have an opportunity to improve that conference record with the remaining schedule. But I'm going Lee Corso not so fast, my friends, that one, Buffalo can't get back into this. And two, that the Jacksonville Jaguars... If they're without Trevor Lawrence for a while, are necessarily safe. Okay, so let's do this. Con- We're going to do this a little bit later, but oh, it's a, no, no. I'm, it's a, okay. I'm back, and I'm already no, 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 derailing no. The show. no, no, no. Because it's a relevant conversation. I mean, there's don't worry. There's plenty for us to talk about later. Um, but let's do this AFC playoff conversation. Uh, actually, before we do that, Jamar Chase last night was a monster, wow. and shout out. To London, Ontario native and Illinois product, Chase Brown, yeah. nine carries, 61 yards, including a 30-yard scamper where he looked 
looked real good. And I wonder about getting him more involved in the offense because Joe Mixon, while he is good, is certainly not efficient. Well, it was a nice change of pace, and I wonder if he's going to be one of the priority, and it's late, so there's not many options, but the one of the priority fantasy waiver ads this week. Yeah, I think he will be. Uh, certainly a guy that you can pick up and slot on your bench in the event that Joe Mixon does get hurt. Nice little stash. Yeah, just, yeah, like mine. Um, okay, so the AFC playoff conversation. It's funny that you said that about the Bills, be, and I don't mean for this to become a Bills conversation, and it's they, not going to. They need the committee. They need the, the AFC they wild really card do. playoff committee yeah. where people throw out exactly what happened on the field, but just look at who's actually the best team. Yeah. And so, who's healthy at the right time, and the Bills Bills get in because of strength oh, so, of schedule. I don't agree with – this show goes off the rail sometimes, but – I. That's you, what happens you, when I come back. It's okay. It's okay. No, you should have heard me yesterday with some of the – I was going – well off the rails yesterday. So, so talking about signing a prenup between Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift, and I was I was really out there yesterday. But uh, Dion, um, Stephen A. Smith, who I never agree with on basically anything, had the most poignant thought about the college football playoff, and that was if prime time Dion, yeah, if Dion Sanders is the head coach at FSU, they get in, and Texas doesn't, or Alabama doesn't, probably Texas. Because he's got the juice, man. People want to see it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if that's true. I, I kind of agree with it. He's like, this is the thing that nobody wants to talk about. I'm like, I, I like that thought. But anyway, back to this, this conversation about the AFC and the, the AFC wildcard committee. Buffalo has the toughest schedule, but they've also proven that their worst enemy is themselves. Losing six games by six points or less. And when you look at... Four of the seven playoff teams in the AFC right now, four of them will be starting backup quarterbacks this week and maybe for the foreseeable future. Cleveland, yes. Indianapolis, yes. Jacksonville, for the time being. And Pittsburgh, for the time being. Well, and you know who, who I think the best backup is right now in the AFC? Who's that? The undrafted guy that we just saw go He might be, although Gardner Minshew has had his moments. But I I don't disagree, though. And they're not in, right? So I look at at that playoff race and I say, okay, the Bills will play the Cowboys. They play the Chiefs this coming week. And if we learned anything from the Chiefs game against the Packers is they are beatable. I think I said this yesterday. I want to see if you agree with me on this. Are, is there any fear going to play the Kansas City Chiefs anymore? Zero. They remind me of the Kevin Durantless Golden State Warriors. Yeah. Where you kind of squint and you see what they used to be. And it's the same uniform and the same star and the stars at the same level. And it's the same coach that you have a lot of respect for. But ultimately, the pieces around don't let you get back to that level. And it's just essentially a conversation of how long are we going to give you the benefit of the doubt? And granted, the Warriors squeaked out a title post-KD, and they certainly let us hear about it. But it, as Drake... It wasn't the same dominant team, though. As, as Drake would say, nothing was the same. And this is what the Chiefs feel like because, you know, if Travis Kelsey is Draymond Green and you lose a half a step, that's that's a lot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Tyreek in this equation is Kevin Durant, that guy who just can, when everything is going wrong, just say, well, I have more talent than you. 
Yeah. End of story. They don't have that anymore. No, they don't. And when you look at Buffalo's schedule, the at the Chiefs, home to the Cowboys, which is a tough game, but not one. And and I spoke about this last week following the Thursday nighter. Dallas's defense for as you know elite as we think they've been, they've struggled against good offenses. They've not been able to stop really good offenses this year. And I don't think Seattle's a very good offense. They certainly have weapons to be that. And they put up a ton of points on Dallas. So I think that that is a winnable game at home. Then they go at Chargers, which, I mean, it's December 23rd. The Bills fans can make that a home game at SoFi Stadium. Then they go home to the Patriots at the Dolphins, which could mean nothing for the Dolphins at that point. It could. Uh, It also could be a scenario where you've already lost to New England once. Are you going to lose to them twice? Oh, that, and that's the killer game for me. Well, and, I mean, there's three, but... And the Miami scenario, when you look at the projections, there is a real-life scenario that the Bills, assuming they get in, might have to go to Miami back-to-back weeks. Assuming yeah. Miami doesn't get the bye, which, you know, I don't think... They have the, they have the, the, the top seed right now, but there's lots of football left. Yes. The Bills could have to go to Miami and win. Assuming the Bills win, chances are Miami won't get the bye. And then they may have to go to Miami again. Miami is a different team, newsflash, in Miami. Mm -hmm. And so that scenario uh, for Buffalo, I mean, listen, this could be an epic run. Uh, Or it could be an epic disaster. Correct. Well, I will say this. Uh, Josh Allen, generally speaking, in Miami, pretty much owns the Dolphins. That's the one good thing that you have going for you. The uh, interesting thing, though, is that if they go 0-2 against Kansas City and Dallas, which wouldn't, it's, it's wouldn't, possible. wouldn't surprise anyone, it's possible. They're done. The year's over. Yep. And then you have essentially three weeks left of what? Chaos in terms of do you keep this group together? Do is you keep it the coach? One, two, three, Cancun. Coming out of the huddle, <laughs> if you thought it was difficult to manage Stefan Diggs and the Diggs family, wait until you have three weeks of meaningless football. So, yeah, fascinating times. We have the in-season hard knocks of the Dolphins. We needed the in-season hard knocks of the Bills. Yeah, no question. So when you look at the rest of the teams kind of in and around there, the the Texans, they've got a very winnable schedule. Like the Texans could run the table here. And nobody would be surprised. That was a big win over the Broncos. And I mentioned this yesterday with the Broncos. If they can't run the ball, they're not going to win anything because Russ can't be the guy to carry them. Like if you need Russell Wilson to throw for 275 or 300 yards in a game at this point in his career to carry a team, he's not doing that. And the difference is, is CJ Stroud can do that. Josh Allen can do that. And then we look at the teams that are in the playoffs. Kenny Pickett or Mitch Trubisky's not doing that. Gardner Minshew, well, maybe he's that guy. I don't think Joe Flacco can do that at this point in his career. There's just so many things that can happen here that for any of the Texans, um, the Broncos, or the Bills who are outside of that AFC playoff picture right now, they may not need to run the table because there's a bunch of backup quarterbacks playing in front of them. Those three teams have their starters. And we've seen backup quarterbacks can look great one week and then they can turn into a pumpkin. And we've seen that. And that's why I think that this is 
far from over for not only the Bills, but the Broncos and the Texans. I just like the chances of the Texans and the Bills better than the Broncos because of who they deploy at quarterback week in and week out. It's so fascinating when you look at the glut of teams fighting for not a spot, spots, plural. You look at them and their rosters and the quarterback situation. You're like, oh, man, this team, this team's going to fall apart, clearly. I have no faith in them. Then you look at their schedule, and they're playing a bunch of other like teams that either are up and down week to week or just are flat out bad. So who knows? Any of these teams, you would not be surprised if they went on a run and lost three or four straight or went on a run and won three or four straight. And to your point, some of them don't have to play appreciably well to do it. Case in point, how the Broncos got back in this thing, they had extreme turnover luck. Sorry, and then Russ threw for three in the game that they lost. Right. That luck ran out, and then they're back to being the Broncos. So we sell, see, super interesting. I was afraid when the NFL changed the playoff format, expanded to another wild card, essentially took one bye away from one of the top two seeds that it would eliminate some of the great races we had seen to end the regular season, and it would reward mediocrity. I think it is. I think it's done both. Mediocrity, yeah. but uh, I, I, we still have great races both at the top because the difference between one and two right now is so great. Yeah, you get you get a buy obviously, and you get to play, you know, a team probably that that doesn't deserve to be in the playoffs, and the race at the bottom is fascinating as well. So here's the remaining schedules for the teams that we talked about in the AFC playoff race. So the Steelers. They have the Patriots on Thursday. That should be a win. Then they go. Wait, wait, wait. Should it, though? Oh, well, it should because the Patriots suck. It should. Have you seen? Dude, they called you. I, you were on vacation. They called me and they're like, is Donovan available to play quarterback? I said, guys, he's on vacation. I don't know if he's going to be ready. In time. Right. But the, actually, it was Billy. Went, the, is, is Donovan available for Thursday? The, the, <laughs> the, the Patriots are putrid. Yes. They have no quarterback play to speak of uh they have a defense that is playing lights out but the Steelers are pretty similar they have no quarterback play to speak of and they have a defense that's lights out I just don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that the Patriots win the rock fight against the Steelers I I will be picking the Steelers but the Steelers have not looked great either they got rid of Matt Canada that worked for three drives and now they're the same terrible offense without a starting QB now then they get the Colts on the road so a playoff team then they get the Bengals who you thought well that's going to be a gimme a game that doesn't look like that anymore then they go at Seattle and at Baltimore to finish the season could you see them going one and four yes in the next five games yes so they're so their schedule straight games with while scoring 16 points or fewer. Yeah, so their schedule is tough, and they're going to play some decent offenses. Here's the Colts' schedule. Bengals, Steelers, Falcons, Raiders, Texans. Not a gimme schedule either. That, that's, that is the exact point. You just read a schedule, and you could tell me the Colts win all of those games except for the last one against the – and I would say sure. You tell me they lose all of those games, including the last one, I would say sure. Every every possible outcome is out there. What zero oh and five, one and four, two and three, three and two, four and one, five and zero. Oh. That's a lot of 
numbers for me. Uh, the Brown schedule, the Jags, and they may get a break because there's no Trevor Lawrence. Yep. The Bears, who have been playing a lot better. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll get to them uh, in the second block as well about uh, possible head coaching candidate. The Texans, the Jets, blech, and then the Bengals in week 17 or week 18, sorry. Then you have the Texan schedule. They have the easiest of the group. Jets, Titans, Browns, Titans, Colts. Again, same scenario. You can, you probably can see them at worst going three and two there. And then it's the Bronco schedule. Chargers, Lions, Patriots, Chargers, Raiders. Could see them go four and one there. Maybe the only loss is to the Lions. Although it's hard to beat a team twice in the same year in the Chargers who, as much as they suck, they can still play competitive football against a team like the Broncos. So that's why I'm saying like the Bills at six and six don't have to run the table. The Broncos at six and six don't have to run the table and neither do the Texans. The Texans, they may have a better shot at getting the division right now without even running the table. Like that's where things are at right now. This AFC race is, and as you mentioned, it's fascinating. It's also chaos, absolute chaos. We talk about it being a week to week league. We are absolutely there, especially in this playoff race, which to your point is kind of what the NFL was looking for. You know what the most damning part of this entire thing is? What's that? You not once mentioned the Los Angeles Chargers who are in 12th at 5-7. and seven. They basically win a tiebreaker because they have a better head-to-head record with the Las Vegas Raiders. The Chargers have a healthy quarterback. They have uh, essentially spent to their cap. They have a coach who's been in the role for multiple years. The Chargers have no excuse no. To, to not even be in this conversation but to be behind it, to be out of the conversation with all the issues and all the, quite frankly, again, I'll use the word mediocrity amongst the scenarios that you just mentioned. The fact that Chargers are not in that conversation is, I think, by far and away worse than the scenario of the Buffalo Bills are in right now. Well, which is why the LA Chargers are going to have a new coach next year. Like, they're just... we've Ryan Day and Jim Harbaugh fighting for the Chargers job. Oh, jeez. I still think – I know there's been rumblings about Jim Harbaugh in other places, and I, I want to say it was – If he wins a national championship, can he leave? I think if he doesn't, he's gone. He's been suspended twice this year. I actually think if he wins, he's gone. Because then he can say, I delivered what I came here to do. Adios. Well, if, and if we're being honest, they shouldn't lose. The national championship? No. They're the best team that's there. See, I, th- I think the, the two best teams played in the SEC championship game. No, I, Georgia, Georgia looked so weird. Even Alabama, like, I know we don't, I know Big Ten schools don't get a lot of respect because it's the SEC that wins every year. But for the last five, SEC. Yeah. And I just look at Michigan and I look at the, not only the defense, but the way that they're, they're able to run the ball so well, control the clock. They don't need to score 45 points to beat you. And I know they just played Iowa and they don't score points anyway, but I'd look at that team and I just say, I don't think that the other teams are super close. I know Alabama's offense struggled early, but they've gotten a lot better. But I just look at the team overall with Michigan and I say, I don't see a scenario in which they should lose. But we've 
felt that way about Michigan teams before. Mm -hmm. And then they've got to this level and they've got stomped. I just think it's appreciably different when all year you have to get ready for one game, Ohio State, where if you're coming out of the SEC, all year you have to get ready for the next game. And then all of a sudden you get this break where, wait a minute, I have 30 days, 40 days, 45 days to prepare. And so you get to then live life like Michigan where you can, um, granted, it's a two-game playoff now, not a, not a, a one-game playoff as it was in the BCS. Um, but I, I just think given that extra time, it's a different level. But we, 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 shall, we, we shall see We're that. definitely going to talk about it closer too because there, there are a lot of really good players and solid prospects that are going to be playing yes. in those games um, and a lot of good quarterbacks too. But back on this, this conversation with the AFC, it's, it's everything the NFL wants. And, and we're going to talk about the NFC playoff picture tomorrow, but it's everything the NFL wants and, or, or, but is there too much of a reward for mediocrity? Because there are a lot of teams that are, and maybe it just speaks more to the NFL overall. There's a lot of mediocrity in the NFL which is maybe a good thing for them in terms of any given Sunday really rings true now, feels like more than ever. Well, I think the issue is, you know, we could have a, you know, playoff game that is Mitch Trubisky versus Joe Flacco. Oh, God. Yeah, the NFL doesn't or want that. Mitch Trubisky versus Gardner Minshew. Like, we don't think it'll be C.J. Beathard. We think by the playoffs, hopefully... Trevor Lawrence is back, and that we haven't had any additional injuries. It's so funny, the huge injury questions coming into the years. Oh, we like this team, but not sure about the health of the QB. Can they manage? Was Miami and Tua mm-hmm. and Baltimore and Lamar Jackson. One, two in the conference with QBs who have been healthy thus far, knock on all of the wood, is Tua and Lamar. They, they've so far gone through this season unscathed. I we are about to have a primetime football game on Thursday, which Amazon is paying a billion dollars for. Which Bill Belichick, by the way, says he hasn't ever watched. He goes, oh, that streaming thing? I wondered if he tripped on an Amazon package walking out of that house. <laughs> right. Um, well, well, I love the fact that you mentioned Bill Belichick because he is the player on the promo graphic. I know. I saw it's Bill Belichick. <laughs> Versus, and now we have to change. It's not even Kenny Pickett anymore. We have to change. Can we just change it to Mike Tomlin? We might as well. We (laughs) might. We might as well. I mean, last year it was Browns and Steelers on Amazon, and it was T.J. Watt versus Miles Garrett. Yeah. Quite frankly, they're the two best players in the game, so I get it. But we are promoting football games with defensive linemen in a sport that is bent over backwards to make it QB friendly, and so I, if anything. If I'm the NFL in the league office, I'm wondering, man, like we are selling this Ponzi scheme of watch this elite QB play. These are the stars. And come stretch time and playoff time, we're going to have some bad football teams make the play. And part of that is that they can't keep guys healthy because they're playing an extra regular season game now too. Playing an extra regular season game, they don't want to give players concessions in terms of, I don't know, more money. Or another bye week. So 
what they've given them is, well, you, you can just practice less. We're going to have all, all, all these unpadded practices. I think that makes it worse. I, I think it, when it comes to getting ready to play football, it certainly makes it worse. So the offensive line play is not nearly as good as it was, I would say, 5, 10, 15 years ago. I think the ability to condition yourself to get ready to play football is not the same. It is like, and, and it is somewhat antithetical. Oh, they're they're trying to keep them healthy. They're taking the pads off, and they're having you know less practices, and they don't have to be at the facility as much. It's like getting ready to be a boxer without sparring. Mm-hmm. Like you need to build up. I believe the ability to to take a hit, the the ability to have time and space and understanding with your your teammates. So yeah, we we have to me an epidemic due to injuries, but I don't know how it changes. And the reason why it's not going to change, because no matter if it's, you know, week one, Trubisky versus Flacco, two QBs that are, quite frankly, lucky to be in the league, guess what? We're going to watch, and we're going to bet, and we're going to be in the group chat talking about it. Like, we're all going to watch. And I think ultimately... Yeah, we're going to get some mediocre football, and we're going to like it. Yeah, well, we're suckers. We, we, right. we watched last night. Well, that ended up actually being a good game for it a did. change. In a game that really we thought wasn't going to be. Yes. Which is maybe that's what we need. Games that we don't think are going to be good are actually good. I don't think the Cowboys and Seahawks game was going to be very good. Seahawks didn't play very well coming into that. That was a good game. I'm just going to – I'm definitely going to tell people to stop betting the under. I didn't do that yesterday. I was smarter than that. Told him to bet on Trevor Lawrence yards and Evan Ingram receptions. Bingo. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Mike Evans, a Hall of Famer? Hmm. 10 straight 1,000-yard season? That's pretty darn good. We'll talk about that when we come back. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett's back. The fan check will be back in a few minutes on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Everything Raptors before and after the games. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. It's the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. We've got a lot to talk about here. We'll try and squeeze it in. So... The question I asked before the break was after his 10th straight 1,000-yard season, I might add that no player in NFL history has ever done that. Okay, so he's the first. Maybe he might. Who knows? In 10 years, we may look back on this conversation and say he's still the only one. It's possible. Is he a Hall of Famer for you? Has to be. Because if if not him, then who? Then who in this era is Hall of Fame worthy? The level of consistency with various QBs and various coordinators is outstanding. And he literally did it right away, coming out as a rookie. He was the other guy at Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. It was Johnny Manziel. And oh, yeah, that, that, they had that this other guy. guy. Yeah, he's, he's okay. And he's put together an outstanding career. And some might deduct points for this, and that's fair. We all have different flavors of ice cream we like. We all have different styles of receiver we like. 
he's essentially done it running like a third of the route tree. I was I was actually going to ask you that question because it's not as if like they've expanded Mike Evans route tree here. It's no. a lot of go routes. And what's even more impressive for me to put up these numbers consistently is that is the most inconsistent way of playing football as a receiver in terms of your catch rate. So yeah, is Mike Evans catch rate? Not great. No, but it's certainly a lot higher than a lot of other guys and more consistent than other guys that have played that same role. Like here's an example. Deshaun Jackson, who just recently retired. That's basically the same thing. They do a lot of the same things. And Mike Evans, who has had mediocre and sometimes awful quarterback play, has put up these types of numbers. The argument that somebody put out there is uh, honestly one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. Well, if these guys aren't in ahead of him, then who is? So it's like, okay, Torrey Holt is not in ahead of him. And Torrey Holt had an incredible run. He should be a Hall of Famer. But then it was like, you know, Andre Johnson. Should Andre Johnson be? To me, if I'm picking, and and you can you can weigh in on this too, Mike Evans or Andre Johnson, who are you taking? I'm taking Mike Evans. So Andre Johnson in his prime, I think, was better and more dominant because he did run the entire route trade. And it was just a problem. He was just a, a University Miami version of, of Calvin Johnson. Evans, though, has had a better career. He's had much more longevity. And, I mean, what's the most memorable Andre Johnson play? Getting in a fight and throwing yeah. someone's helmet, yeah. honestly. Who was that? Cor- uh, was that Cortland Finnegan? Finnegan, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I think if I had to start a team, I would pick Andre Johnson. But I think if I am, I've got one space on my Hall of Fame ballot and I need to give it to one person, it would be Mike Evans. The other thing here, too, is that Mike Evans is having one of the best seasons that he's had. He's doing it at the age of 30. Here's the other thing that I love about the Mike Evans story. Do you know how many games Mike Evans has missed in 10 seasons to this point? Two? Seven. Wow. I mean, two would be super impressive. But seven seven games for a position that guys pull hammies, pull a quad, you know, all those soft tissue injuries that these guys have, maybe it's because the route tree isn't expanded and it's a lot of just straight line running, but still that's got to account for something as well because he's been able to put up those numbers because he's been healthy. And the other thing that's really impressive about Mike Evans is that usually when you hear about a guy who's running all these go routes, six, one, 200 pounds, Mike Evans is six, five. He's a beast. And he's been one of the best red zone threats in football, period, since he's come into the NFL. So I, I just, the the notion of, well, there are other guys that haven't gotten in that are ahead of him. I would make the argument that a lot of them aren't ahead of him. Yeah, the f- fade, left side, corner end zone, unstoppable. Still, he runs the nine ball as well as anybody in football runs posts, runs the deep over the middle, which is the play that he might have some physical issues with in terms of it's impressive the fact that he's been able to stay on the field because he's a big body receiver, goes over the middle, exposes himself because he's so tall and thus gets some rib shots. But we came into this year having a conversation about him relative to his contract wants 
and lack thereof in terms of an extension. And the question was, well, is he going to be able to continue this level of production given his advanced age? And I think some of the things you're describing is the reason why, because unlike Deshaun Jackson, it doesn't matter if he loses a step because he's still taller than everybody. Yeah. He still has great he's five, hands. He's five, six inches on every safety and corner in the NFL. He's not shrinking until he gets into his 60s. <laughs> and he's not going to be on a football field then. So uh, what makes him great is going to remain. So here's the... I was thinking about this too. Like, he's in his contract year. What's this guy going to get paid? Because he's shown no signs of slowing down. Here's the other thing that I love. And I, I do love my wide receiver drama because I think it's fun. Mike Evans, no drama. True. Ever. True. He is. Mike Evans feels like the lowest maintenance wide receiver, star wide receiver that we've ever seen. You don't hear about him. He doesn't say anything. And he just does his job on the field. There's part of me that likes that about Mike Evans. But in terms of his contract, so the highest paid wide receiver on a per year basis is Tyree Kill at thirty million. Mike Evans, we know, is not getting thirty million dollars. Devontae Adams is second at twenty eight million dollars. Cooper Cup is third, twenty six point seven. Here's what all of those guys have in common: they are all around the same age, twenty nine, thirty one, and thirty. So Mike Evans going to get paid Stephon Diggs twenty four million dollars a year? He's he might three-year deal for Mike Evans at call it $25 million a season. Mike Evans should take that and run. Well, DeAndre Hopkins just got a two-year, 54-and-a-half-year deal with a 27.5 signing bonus. 60 guaranteed. To me, that's the floor, and it's a low floor. He's... At this point in his career, like he's getting paid more than Terry McLaurin at twenty three point two million. Well, Terry, he should, he Terry McLaurin's going asking. full games without making a catch. Well, so yeah, and he's twenty eight. So I mean, DK Metcalf. Uh, well, DK Metcalf's probably a bad example because he's twenty six. But like the Terry McLaurin number, twenty eight, twenty three point two million. Mike Evans is looking at it going, yeah, no, I'm getting more than that. Here's the question though: Are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going to pay that money? No. But but I think the question is, who is going to pay that money? Because go go down the list of the highest paid receivers mm-hmm. and then keep scrolling and look at their regular season record right now. And outside of Tyreek Hill, my hypothesis without looking at it is there is not a correlation between paying a number one receiver and winning football games. Okay, let's go. That's a, that's a very good theory. I like that. So you mentioned Tyreek Hill sec is first. Devontae Adams, Raiders aren't in the playoffs. Uh, Cooper Cup, Rams aren't in the playoffs. And, and he spent the first month of the year not playing. Yep. A.J. Brown in the playoffs. D.K. Metcalf, uh, Seahawks are in. Stephon Diggs, nope. Debo Samuel, yep. Terry McLaurin, nope. D.J. Moore, nope. Keenan Allen, nope. Chris Godwin, nope. Amari Cooper, yes. Mike Williams, no. That's everybody making twenty million or more per season. So there you go. Yeah, and I don't. By the end, I don't know if Amari Cooper's going to be in the playoffs. It's interesting. I think when you look at the scenario, whether it's AJ Brown and we all thought the Bills were going to be a playoff team. So 
we, and it's not Stephon Diggs' fault that they're not a playoff team, and they've shown the ability to be a playoff team with him making big money. And quite frankly, the Vikings had to draft high to replace that production in Justin Jefferson, and they're now going to have to pay the money that they didn't want to pay Stephon Diggs to Justin Jefferson. So they're somewhat, you know, in a similar place. To me, it's got to be the last thing you do when building a roster. Not the first thing. Yeah. The Eagles were there, and and he was the finishing touch that put them over the top. The Bills were there, and he was supposed to be the finishing touch. Mm-hmm. He being Stephon Diggs to put them over the top. Same thing with the Dolphins and Tyreek Hill. They felt like the roster was there, thought the QB would get to another level. They add Tyreek. That's the type of scenario where I think, okay, it makes sense. But if you're bringing in Mike Evans thinking that he and he alone is going to change your fortunes, I think you're going to get 1,000 yards and you're going to miss playoffs. Yeah, probably. Uh, Okay, let's get to this Um, because we got only a few minutes left. We might be able to get two things in here, but uh, let's focus on one. So the Jets, who are a disaster, said, Tim Boyle, you're going to start. And they're like, this isn't working. Hey, Trevor Simeon, why don't you come in to the game? That's not working. Now... Robert Sala trudges into his into the locker room and he looks at Zach Wilson and he says, Hey Zach, do you want to start on Sunday? And this was Zach's response. No. No, I don't think I will. <laughs> can no, you, can you I don't him? think I will. So the the reasoning by all accounts is basically he doesn't want to get hurt. That's what it sounds that's what we're led to believe is that the injury factor because Zach Wilson probably is looking for another place to play. Oh, he's in the transfer portal. Yeah, he's definitely. He's not playing a bowl game. Not to, he's gone. Not to, not to sidetrack, but have you seen all the people in the transfer portal this year? Well, it's over 500, all, which has never happened. Ohio State's entire team is in the transfer yeah, portal. Yeah, Kyle right McCord, but nah, I'm gone. Um, I should tell you something about Ryan Day's future too. But like Zach Wilson has said, I don't want us. There's probably multiple reasons why one, I don't want to get hurt Two, This can only get worse for me. It's not going to get better. Sure. So if I want to go anywhere and have a shot, it's better. I don't play. Yeah. Like that's how bad well, it's got. Well, actually he's looking better by sitting on the sideline because we're watching other quarterbacks play as bad, if not worse than he was playing behind that Jets offensive line with that Jets offensive talent. So for him personally, it's almost like addition by subtraction. Like, oh, wow, you you beat the Bills and you gave the, the Chiefs a run and these other guys, you know, can't string together three completions in a row. So you're part of a team. You're being paid handsomely. It is literally your job. You know, at some point you're supposed to be a professional, but – when the organization decides, well, we don't care about developing you anymore. We're moving on and doing what's best for us. At what point is the player allowed to do the same? Ryan Tannehill, who's like, oh, wait, you, you want, oh, now you want me to hold? You, you, you took away my starting job. You didn't move me. I'm just essentially sitting here wearing a uniform, and now you're stuck, and I'm the holder. Uh, I'm the highest paid holder in the history of, yeah. of football. It's an interesting conversation. And I, quite frankly, for many people, things are black and white. I see both sides of it. What was your response? Because, quite frankly, the guy who was supposed to mentor Wilson and Aaron Rodgers, I think if Aaron Rodgers in his scenario, he would do the exact same thing. My thought was good for Zach Wilson. Because it's a lot to say no to a starting 
NFL job, especially with how your career has gone. But he's like, have you seen how these guys are getting torched out here? I'm watching it from the sidelines. I'm not going in there and taking bullets for you. So if you're the Jets, what do you do? You suspend him? Sure. Fine. Suspend him. I, I, to me, if I'm Zach Wilson, I'm like, I'm not playing anyway. So suspend me. What am I going to miss out on? A couple paychecks? Zach Wilson's made enough money in his career. Zach Wilson strikes me as a guy, and I know I'm going to catch heat for this, but whatever, who cares? He strikes me as a guy that would be so much better off in another scenario, much like Geno Smith became better off in a different scenario. I think that there is talent there with Zach Wilson. I don't think that he's, I don't think he's, okay, he's been horrible, but the offensive line play has been garbage. So can you really, can you really say how good a quarterback is with the offensive line play the way that it has been with the Jets. It's really difficult. So I think if Zach Wilson goes somewhere else, sits on the bench for a year like Mitch Trubisky did after his time in Chicago, and then everybody's going to be like, oh, hold on a second. Zach Wilson is out there. We can go get Zach Wilson. Play the nice guy for a year, and that's what I think is going to happen with Zach Wilson. But he's smart. I'm not going out there to get hurt. I'm not going to be your human shield. Get out of here. Thank you, Robert Sala. Fascinating. Well, we'll see what happens. He's going to change his mind. You know what's going to happen. We still got a chance to make the playoffs, Zach. You're our guy. Yeah, okay. Uh, that's going to do it for us today. Welcome back, Donovan. Great it's nice to, to be it's back. It's nice to have you. Let's go. Uh, thanks to Lance behind the glass. Donovan across the table. We'll be back tomorrow. Adam Rank will join us. Our weekly Wednesday insider. We've got a lot to talk about with him. And our NFC playoff race update. It's a lot of fun. Enjoy the rest of the day. We'll talk with you tomorrow. Bye-bye.